Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. My name is Dino Ray Ramos. And I'm Amanda Nduka. Um, So this is our first recorded guest podcast of the year. Um, and Dino, tell them who we have. <laughs> who do we have, Vanna? <laughs> oh, we have, oh my God. Okay, we have One Night in Miami star, Kingsley Ben-Adir, AKA the King. <laughs> he, he plays Malcolm X um, in this Regina King directed film, you guys. Which you is, it. it's on Amazon guys, it's so Amazon, you have no excuse. <laughs> have Amazon but I, yeah. I, I don't think are there people that don't have Amazon in this world <laughs> there are because they don't like they didn't like Jeff Bezos but he's down he stepped down so yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also, okay. if you don't have Amazon one of your friends does yeah so just so. steal their account and watch one night in Miami it's, so. it's, yeah we have Kingsley so Ben Adir it, it was like such a good conversation and yeah. it, I love it when our guests have accents <laughs> <laughs> It just makes it sound us sound more interesting. It no, makes so. us sound like it makes me or it makes us sound like trash, and they're all yeah. classy. <laughs> um, but no, this was. I mean, you guys. He 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 had a great year. I mean, in terms of this man had like four projects out last year. <laughs> uh, Love life on on HBO Max uh, with um, 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 Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick, yes. Yeah, yeah, Anna Kendrick, yeah. And then he had the comedy, which he played Barack Obama. He did high fidelity for for Hulu. For so he Hulu, had, he had, and so now he's like on oh, One Night in Miami, which yeah. is like a huge, huge award show. season contender. Today, the, the, the the movie got nominated for a SAG award. A SAG award. Regina, Regina King. King was nominated for a Golden Globe for best director. Leslie, uh, uh, for best supporting, right? Supporting, for, right? Yeah, I believe supporting. Yeah. Um, but the the film is obviously getting a lot of buzz. It's it's going to keep getting buzz. Um, Kingsley is, you guys, Kingsley is great. He, he, he kills this role. He gives you this different side of Malcolm X, a more softer side, which was very- Yeah, softer side of series. Yeah. And it was very, it was very like touching to watch. I liked seeing the camaraderie with, within, with, between these guys. Um, like you said, they, 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 they had this nice like bro, bro this nice <laughs> romance thing going on. And it's cool seeing like iconic figures, like just imagining like iconic figures just all being friends. And yeah, it's like, kind of like that, you know, what we ask this question to our guests sometimes about like, oh, who would you invite to a dinner party yeah. kind of thing? Like if the, it's like these four icons came together, it's like all, and apparently they they did have a conversation in real life in this hotel yeah. room, but we, no one knows what they talked about. Yeah, apparently. yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's but kind of, this is a hypothetical yeah. situation. Yeah, so it's nice to kind of get this, like, like I said, it's like a, a depiction of it. Um, but yeah, Kingsley is dope. He's, you know what? I wish we would have talked to him more about this, but we talked about raving. <laughs> yeah, we talked, yeah, he's a raver guy. I don't even know if that's the right term. <laughs> but, but I mean, like, I wouldn't know. Like, well, yeah. of course I wouldn't know, but I, I wanted, but that is towards the end. Sorry, guys, spoiler alert. Yeah. Towards the end of the podcast, <laughs> we're talking about raving. Uh, but um, no, but Kingsley is dope. I, I, I only expect even more from him. So I yeah. hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I, I definitely think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him in the future. I'll, I'll put money on it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, here is Kingsley. Kingsley, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, you're, you're our first guest for 2021, I believe. Yeah, because we did Javicia yeah, in December. Javicia was our first episode, but yeah, we yeah, recorded yeah. hers so you're, in you're December. First, yeah, you're our first recording, our first, for, our first guest 
recording. Number 2021. Yeah. I'm so glad to be here and just. <laughs> <laughs> we're happy. We're my, happy. My, you, my energy's raised just from looking at you, just from having yeah, a chat. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. What time is it in London right now? It's 20 past 7, 7.20. Okay. Okay. So you guys okay. are in the time. Yeah. Well, well yeah, thank yeah. you for, for letting us take over your dinner time, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it would be. Um, so you've had a pretty great, uh, year, I guess, 2020, like in addition to one night in Miami, which is doing great. We, congratulations on the SAG Award uh, that we just found out today. Um, but you you had uh, Love Life that came out, um, which I absolutely loved, High Fidelity, <laughs> Another one that I absolutely love, and I'm not just saying that, but these are like two of my my favorite shows that I was watching over uh, the quarantine and the Kami role, which um, was on. So you've had a pretty nice, yes. show, you say. No, you've 20, been you've you've been going through it. Yeah. <laughs> 2020 was 2020 was awesome, man. I like just hearing you say it. Yeah, I went to. I feel like I went to New York in january and i didn't come back until august and had yeah. like the best, best time of my life shooting high fidelity and actually i was in the photograph as well i did like yeah, in the photograph yeah 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 I, you were you were just in everything no i was cut, I was cut <laughs> out of the movie so mm. which was a bit of a shame but I, I was it was it was i still had the experience of being on the job and then mm. came back and did soulmates in love life and then straight into the comey room one night in miami so it was pretty but i've never had a year like that you know. <laughs> Pretty, pretty cool. And you got to work with some really cool people. Um, so before we get into um, One Night in Miami, which, you know, we'll talk about that um, later. We kind of like to ask our guests on our podcast, like to ask them like where they get their start from and how they, they sort of wound up in this in this crazy business. So where, where, would, where would you say your origin or your love for performing um, originated from? I think when I was around 16, I think around 2003, I, I was, I had my first experiences, you know, really I, I, my first experience of m movies having a really like powerfully emotional effect on me. Um, one film in particular uh, in America, I just remember being really like confused and stunned by like the impact that some of these films and stuff were having on me. Um, and I guess the seed was probably planted there on some level. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I was just like, I did, I did drama at school, but I think when I was around 21, 22, I was sort of became aware of a drama school system here as a, as a route in. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I can't pin it down to like a specific moment, but I think it was, I think it was just over a number of years, I was just being, you know, drawn, more and more drawn towards, you know, mm -hmm. film in particular. And I, there was a moment where I thought about going to film school, maybe to do directly, mm -hmm. but, you know, I was just really interested in, 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 in movies, independent <laughs> movies. Were there people that you, you, you were look, you looked up to um, during the early days or was there somebody that you wanted to sort of model your, your career path after? Oh, so many, so many, so many. I I've, I feel like I've watched I watched every episode of Inside the Actors Studio at least two or three times. You know, I studied Benicia del Toro's words, and mm. Tony Hopkins, and you know Jeffrey Wright is a huge hero of mine. I've studied his body of work, and like I just Jeff Jeffrey's really a big one for me. Just his every everything he does just has this deep deep 
kind of sense of truth and integrity and and uh and just yeah there's just something really wonderful and magnetic about him so mm-hmm. jeffrey and bigger mortensen and jim sheridan had a big effect on me yeah. uh in the name of the father and in america mm-hmm. so yeah loads i mean the list just goes on there's like so many yeah. people yeah. where it was a big one for me um you know so Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, some good ones, some good names. Yeah, were, were, was there a particular movie that kind of you were just when you watched it for the first time, you were all, "Oh my god, this is what this is this is me. This is what I want to do." I think or like so- a movie or play, even yeah. Yeah, I think there's I think there's so many. I, I say in America because it's the, I think it was the first one mm-hmm. in America was the first. It's my first memory of being in a movie theater and. I'm having a really emotional response at the mm. end of Paddy Considine when he's saying goodbye to Frankie. It really shook me and mm. has stayed with me. And I've watched that film so many times since. So I think that was the the first. And since then, yeah, it's all the time, you know, mm. every few years there'll be another one. I, I, f- I feel like this year, Mads Mikkelsen in Another Round just blew me oh. away. I've seen that movie three times and there's just something about whatever's going on in, in that performance or in that film, they're, they're, they're accessing part of the, the, the magic, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, but it reminds, I found that film so inspirational. I was like, that's why I got into this for, for, for stories like that and performances like that. It's just when the, the dance at the end, I was just like, it really blew me away and left mm-hmm. me speechless. So. I think the reason why I probably I got into acting was because of, you know, having having similar experiences when I was young. It's been really confused by it, you know, and I don't know what was happening to me. Yeah. Um, you know, I love me some Mads Mikkelsen, though. I love him. Um, you know, you 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 have a, a history in the theater world, right? And in, in film and TV, like, how do you kind of navigate? Like, did you get your start more in the theater world, or would you say that, or would you be more uh, like, like, just how was it like from going from, I guess, from like drama school to going being thrown into the business, and how did you navigate that and kind of making that transition? And I look back and I'm, I'm like, oh my, I can't believe I'm still here after 10 years, you know? <laughs> I feel like I've been just by the skin of my teeth getting each, every time a job ends, I feel like I'm just about getting the next one. And uh, I've sort of never been in that situation where I've just had so many offers or loads of things to choose from. Um, I think I ended up doing, you know, nine plays back to back when I first came out of drama school because they were just the jobs that I got, you know? They were mm. just the jobs that... I was able to book and um yeah and I sort of had I, and I, I I couldn't get a gig on tv to save my life like I could not get arrested over here on film and tv it's just was I found it really difficult <laughs> and then um and then I you know with plays you have to stop you have to go like right I you know if you want to get a tv job you can't you have to be available and the plays take you out of the game for like you know, four, five, six, seven months sometimes. So there was a moment where I made that decision and decided that I was going to sort of not go on stage for a while to try and have a go at TV and film. And uh, and then, yeah, I remember getting a small part in Trespass Against Us with Michael Fassbender, and that just blew my mind. That was my first experience of being on 
being on a set that I dreamed of, you know, like an independent movie about a, a world that we hadn't seen before on screen and getting to watch mm. Michael and Brendan working, you know, and, and, yeah. and just seeing how they put it all together. So that was kind of awesome. But, you know, I, I, I feel like, I, f- I, f- I feel like it's been, there's been so many different parts of, of the journey. And uh, I have a wonderful teacher now who I've been working with for the last four years. I feel drama school is a strange place. I'm very suspicious of those institutions. There were lots of individual teachers who were, you know, wonderful at different terms, but I don't feel like I learned much about acting there. It was more, you mm. know, experience very technical classical I, I, like I, I'm still very confused by the experience that I had there mm-hmm. um, but yeah four years ago I met a wonderful wonderful acting teacher in LA and have kind of retrained I guess you know mm-hmm. like around the time when I got the OA um, and I feel like he's really blown my mind and and just opened up a whole new world for me just in terms of interpreting character and story and and creating and and just creating backs just he's just given me a new way to to look at it and to go in and to approach and to build character so I owe so much to him and I kind of feel like the journey's just beginning really and, mm. and that yeah learning's a funny thing because it doesn't mm. stop it keeps yeah. going keeps going yeah yeah, yeah. Speaking of that, you know, you know, going from, you know, theater to TV to film and uh, and from the start of your career to now, uh, how have you learned to manage your expectations from this industry, which is always changing and always kind of wanting something different from you? And like, how do you just even try attempt to navigate how it puts you through a ring, this ringer and plays with your emotions, basically? Yeah, you got. I think you got to be a little bit tough, you know. Yeah. Or you mm. got to be a little bit crazy. <laughs> oh, both. Crazy. Both. Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes I sometimes I think to myself, I must be nuts to put myself through this, you know, just the mm. the reject the, the the highs and the lows and the the rejections and the fighting for jobs and the screen testing and the auditioning and getting onto the list for the last three and then losing out and then getting it's just it 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 really it it doesn't stop. Yeah, and, uh, and then also yeah. like being a person of color, right? Does that add an extra layer to everything? <laughs> yeah, but I suppose I suppose that as a as a way of coping, I guess as a way of coping, you you I don't know. It, it's strange because you just because you have to just get on with it so much mm-hmm. of the time. There are moments where you take a pause and you reflect and you go, oh, I wonder what that was. Or, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to summarize that into one, into one idea, because I think it shows itself in so many different, you know, shapes and forms and sizes. And, you know, there have been some times where it's, it's helped and got me in places. So it's, it's difficult to pin it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, listen, I, I, I spoke to, uh, the head of the drama school, the new head of the drama school where I trained and the first year who are there now, over 50% of the students in the first year are non-white and from all all different places. It's a really like, it's a a revolutionary year considering Mm -hmm. when I was there, 
you know, if you got one or two black guys in the year, you'd be lucky, you know, you'd be lucky. And now mm. I feel like that that's being really, that old system is being fucking flushed out and it's about time. Mm. Um, but, you know, listen, when I, my experience when I was coming out was my experience and, you know, you you just just had to get along and make 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 the best of it in the way that I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but do you but do you see like I mean you, you mentioned that you've been doing this for 10 years now have you have you seen a meaningful change in the, this, the landscape of, of Hollywood when it comes to you know I mean we uh, Dino mentioned it yesterday about the Golden Globe or just now about the Golden Globes coming out and you know how they've had issues with inclusion and diversity when it comes to to nominees but do you have you seen sort of a meaningful change in just the business as a whole when it comes to the treatment of of of, of black people or people of color have you seen that change um substantially since you started or i mean obviously there's still more work to be done but how do you yeah think, I'd, say, you- I'd say i wouldn't i certainly wouldn't use the word substantially yeah like, <laughs> incremental maybe yes of course oh, yeah. there's, there's been there's been progress and and uh i was talking to a, a you know a guy younger guy 20 maybe eight or nine years younger than me same similar complexion similar background coming out of a top drama school now in london and his opportunities feel vastly vastly different to to mine but that's just you know this year I don't know it's it's about long term isn't it it's long term goals and we just want to we want to be having a conversation in 10 years and and still be on the front foot and moving forwards and you know I kind of don't want to I don't want to get too overly optimistic because I feel like I don't want to let anyone off the hook I think we have to keep Mm -mm. keep fucking pushing for representation in all in all areas you know like and uh yeah our our, biz, our business is at the forefront of that conversation because you know we're supposedly artists and about you know <laughs> yeah. change and and uh and story and truth and humanity and and uh and love and connection and you know that's that's the that's the world that we're that's the profession that we've chosen Mm-hmm. so yeah and then the whole business side of things and awards and stuff that's a that's a that's something that i am i have no idea about <laughs> yeah, that's a different, who knows yeah who knows I don't, who knows where to even begin to start when it comes to to stuff like that and institutions that determine who get anyways um, <laughs> that, yeah we could have a whole other hour conversation but we want to obviously talk about one night in miami which mm-hmm. was just you know everything that you would want and like it was so such a so refreshing there's something was so refreshing about it and seeing these men gathered together and just like you know talking out sharing their issues sharing their but also like having this like really nice this nice bonding moment it was it, it just had everything I feel like that we that we we don't get to see a lot especially when it comes to portraying black men and it was just done so uh, so well. Mm. Um, so first, I want to ask you: Were you familiar with um, Kent Powers' play before you before you signed on to do this project? Because I wasn't. I had no idea about this play until this film. Yeah, I did. I did. I remember okay. when it was. I remember when it was cast cast in here. Okay. Mm. okay. <laughs> and, and and yeah. So what 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 were your like? What were your initial thoughts about it when you when this this first came across to you? This project. The movie. Yes, the movie. Well, I was, I was so excited and curious to to connect with Regina King. I was like, mm. that was awesome. Uh, 
think that was my first that was my first thought before I thought about any of the characters or before I was like oh wow Regina King's directing a movie that's nuts like what an what an awesome opportunity to get to maybe audition so she but and she might see it um and it came in for cash and uh I felt just too old and washed up for that <laughs> oh, really? I, know, I just felt too old I felt I was doing high fidelity and was playing Mac, he was a bit older, and I just was like, I can't play this kid. <laughs> I can't, you know, I could play, I'm pushing it, you know, mid to late 20s now, max, but I can't play a bubbly 21 year old. So I, I passed on the audition, um, but I said, if Malcolm, if anything happens to the actor playing Malcolm, let me know. <laughs> I'd love to swoop in and, and, and audition for that part. You know, Malcolm was really the character that spoke to me. Mm. It, it's the conversation between him and Sam. I was like, oh, this is juicy. Like, you could get it is. Oh, God. What they unpack in that room, I'm just like, being a fly on, like, the way that Regina filmed it, it's like we were just a fly on that room yeah. and we were just like popcorn eating, seeing what y'all were going through. I'm fun to like, fun to build that you know like when yeah. you're working on it in your room and you're just figuring out how you're going to play it and you know work figuring out what Malcolm's point of view is in it and where he's at and what his you know just it was just it was just a lot of fun because so much language like the, the whole film structure is really so dependent on how we we build the ebbs and flows of this conversation so yeah. you I was as an actor you've just got so much to work with it's just yeah so that was that was awesome. Sorry, I've jumped a little bit ahead. But anyway, the audition for Malcolm did come up event like four or five months later. And then I put something down on tape and then Regina and I jumped on the phone and yeah. And then that's, that's the amazing. rest is history. Yeah, the rest <laughs> is history. Um, were you, okay, so were you, so I know there's like this debate about like who can play sort of what characters and, and you, you've tackled um, Barack Obama in the, in the comedy role, and then now you're playing Malcolm X. But I'm going to ask, were you ever sort of nervous tackling these roles, especially when, you know, there are people out there that like to debate, like I said, oh, you know, who can play some type of role if, if a Black, a black uh, a person that grew up in American playing, should be playing Amer uh, American icon roles? Like, were you were you nervous about, like, maybe getting criticism or backlash or, or anything like that? Regina, Regina asked me around the time when I was auditioning, and maybe kind of ignorantly, you know, I, I just had no idea. I didn't, it didn't, it didn't cross my mind at all. I think because of, you know, where I'm from over here, I've always felt so connected to, you know, African-American culture has been such a huge part of my upbringing and the first sort of role models I ever had were African-American. So I think we're kind of, you know, naively, and uh, I remember saying to Regina, just that I'm not thinking about that. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I've got, you know, if you give me the job, there's work to do and this is what I'm going to do. And I want to honor Malcolm and I'm going to put yeah. my life and body and soul into this and I'm going to do everything I can. And it really just didn't occur to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it was only, I was sort of aware that, you know, there was, there was a, a conversation that had, had been happening mm -hmm. but I just I was just I just pure drive and arrogance really it didn't it, I remember Regina asking me and I was like 
nah man I've just got work to do you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and you know I've always I've always felt very I mean when it comes to that debate I've always felt very like I I've seen so many like I loved I loved um David Oyelowo playing um Malcolm mm. um Malcolm and yeah. so, I mean, I I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah the other day. Oh God, like, yes. Daniel killed that role. Like he bodied that role. It's like to me, it's like if you if you if you're willing to put in the work and do the research and like you said, like if you have the chops, then why not? Yeah. So it's I don't know. I I, I get. Go ahead. No, I'll say as well though that that was just I'm just that was my answer to my when yeah. when I first got the role. Mm-hmm. Now I'm sort of understanding that in a larger sense, the conversation is is kind of unpacking as we talk. And it's something that representation and who gets to play who in so many areas, not just mm-hmm. African-American roles, it's something we, we don't know. We're just, we're figuring it out, yeah. you know? So I'm kind of, I'm listening. And my, my, my honest opinion is that as well, you have to take each casting process as its own thing and you know Regina had three and a half weeks to cast there were you know a number of people who didn't want to audition for the role and like it came down to me and another guy who were available and I just had a bit more experience than him you know mm-hmm. it, it really wasn't it was a very very last minute bit of casting so like when I talk about me being cast as Malcolm I, I, I want to be clear as clear as I can about mm-hmm the stakes and the pressure and the time restrictions that we were under, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and when I got the role, I had 12 days to prepare. So I, Jesus. there was where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't know if I can actually honestly prepare Malcolm X in 12 days and feel good about it. And, uh, that is amazing. But yeah, I went for a walk and I was like, I feel like I have to do this because I feel like I, I feel like this is an opportunity to show Malcolm in a really different way. And the vulnerability and the humanity, it was really something I connected with. And I felt very, very confident about, you know, persuading Regina to let me do it. Because I was like, I want to do something different with this, you know, and I think it's mm. about time. And uh, so, yeah, I tricked her into giving. <laughs> <laughs> well, you did. I mean, you did great. You and you did great as Obama too. Like I, I, that, that's it's, like it's. It is definitely a conversation that I think that we are definitely unpacking now. But I, I mean, it's 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 very. I guess it's one. It's very complex. But I yeah, I, there's I so much. Yeah, they're great. They're they've been great. You know non-American perform or actors performing in, in these roles and they've, and they've killed it, you know? Yeah. So. I think that the conversation is so nuanced when it comes to, you know, representation. Like for instance, with the trans community, right? You know, if you're getting someone like Jared Leto playing someone trans and there, that kind of complicates a lot of things and people are gonna automatically cause an uproar. But then you have something like that new movie co- that came out last week, Supernova with uh, Colin Firth and, and Stanley Tucci. Uh, I, I don't know if they identify as queer, but I don't think they identify as queer, but yeah, yeah. they're a gay couple. But I think it's so interesting because that movie is less about them being gay and more about this guy going through dementia and deterior in this relationship falling apart. So it's like also the way you look at it, right? Yeah. And, and But I think, w- w- I, I can't speak in terms of like, like uh, black, uh, non-American black actors playing American icons, you know, people really get, you know, 
in their panties about it. And I'm just like, oh, dude, if, if, if they're good, then if they have it, they have it, you know? I mean, I'll, I'll drag a performance if it's horrible, but if they're, gonna, if they're good, then they're good. <laughs> um, but, you know, playing Malcolm X, you know, when I read Malcolm X years, years or his biography, I don't want to say it changed my life, but it kind of opened my eyes to interesting things about, you know, identity and, and, and his life. And Malcolm X is a huge order. That's a tall order. And, you know, we've, we've seen him portrayed in different forms of media before, but, you know, where did you start, you know, knowing, well, not only is he a real person, but you're also playing, I guess, a hypothetical version of him in, in this conversation that we don't know what happened, but what was your process in just navigating uh, playing this very powerful icon and kind of, I, I would guess, demanding role. Well, you first, I think the first thing is, is you look at the film and you look at, mm. sorry, you look at the story. So you look at the script and you go, who is Malcolm in this story? What is the Malcolm that Kemp is asking for in this story? What does this film require from the character of Malcolm X? What is Malcolm's function within this piece? Mm. And really, for me, his the stakes for what was going on what, what was going on for him at the time and the monumental shifts and changes like it's a really 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 specific like moment for him in terms of the changes and what was about to happen in a few weeks and what had just happened in the couple of months leading up for this in terms of his you know his relationship with the nation and elijah muhammad was really coming to an end and the chicken mm -hmm. coming home to roost speech was just in the November. And, mm -hmm. you know, within two weeks of this night cash and Malcolm would never speak again. And so I feel like understanding who Malcolm needed to be in this story and deciding whether or not I connected with that in a way that felt truthful mm -hmm. was something that I, I learned more and more as I was going along. Mm -hmm. And the more I started to investigate what was happening for Malcolm at this time and the changes that were going on, the more Kemp's script just was becoming clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer about what I needed to do. And the stakes for Malcolm in this movie were about trying to keep cash in the room and needing to connect with these men and feeling in a moment, you know, kind of, lost and unsure in, in how dangerous it was for him at this time. And I, and I guess I stayed in as much of a zone as possible, just listening and repeating and watching and listening and repeating. But the, 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 the stuff that I found out about Malcolm through Dick Gregory and his friendship with him and, and who Malcolm was mm. in private outside of the media cameras and the way that Dick described him as being you know a wonderful father and husband and a, a sweet man and a kind man a bashful man a good humored man someone who you know the, from the, the lacerating demagogue from the archive footage was really a character that Malcolm slipped into but wasn't the sum total of who he was like that was the stuff I really held on to and mm. and there's an understanding Malcolm said to Dick at this time that he felt weak and this is a quote and he felt weak he felt hollow and no one knew the torments that he went through around mm. this time. And I just was like, you know, that I, I really held on to that. Uh, yeah. And, and, and thought, you know, the reason why Malcolm is, is a hero 
is because he felt the fear and he still faced it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He felt the fear and he still demanded that white America take a hard look at themselves. And, yeah. you know, he, he was crying inside for black people, you know? He, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think above all, I am convinced anyway, all the militancy and the, you know, the white people are dealt, all that nonsense. I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that Malcolm above all was a deeply, had to have been a deeply, deeply, deeply sensitive mm. human being and yeah. a deeply intelligent human being and a deeply yeah. religious man and a deeply spiritual human being. And that just interested me so much because I was like, I don't feel like we've seen that before. And uh, yeah. and so I was all in and, 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 I, and, I, and I was, and I expressed that to Regina, where the, where the, fearless, where the fearlessness, where my fearlessness came from to believe that, I don't really know. I just think it was a bit of timing and I was just in the right place, the right age, the right moment mm-hmm. in my jobbing actor career where I was just like, I'm ready to take a risk. I've got nothing yeah. to lose. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah th- I, I love what you said about, you know, kind of showing this softer side, I guess you would say, more sensitive side of Malcolm X because we see these uh, activists and radicals uh, and I, I guess you could even say it would happen in Judas and the Black Messiah too with Chairman Fred Hampton, you know, these charismatic, like passionate people who have a stance on something. We never really get to see that other side of that human side of them. Mm-hmm. And I think in One Night in Miami, we got to see him as a friend, as a as a homie with like his homies hey. just hanging out. <laughs> and the, the, and they're, they argue like friends. And, you know, going to that, you know, with the, the whole, the one thing that, one of the main things that stood out for me is this, the conversation you have, or Malcolm X has with, with Sam about being a performer and, you know, the ident- the black identity and kind of like white people co-opting it and all that, this whole complicated conversation. Did doing this movie and having conversations like that challenge or support your own views when it came to identity politics within the world of uh, entertainment or film and TV? Identity politics, or you mean the role of the the role of the artist and what their responsibility is, or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, and just like being a black man, and you know, uh, uh, kind of, I don't want to say, I guess the the. The, the, I don't want to say like kind of putting on a show for white people that kind of uh yeah I guess okay, yeah, you're, yeah. you're yeah. yeah I'm tired I'm tired of that man I like I, yeah. I, I, I can't I can't you know I was coming out of drama school at a time where they were genuinely teaching us to change the way that we spoke you know like we were being trained to go and I'm saying this in fucking 2011 this is not even long ago Wow. Oh wow! Training us to 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 go in to get jobs at the National Theatre and the RSC and you know cheek by jowl and all these like posh theatre companies. I could not. I there's nothing about any of them that I ever had any interest in working with. And I feel like I've spent the last ten years trying to shake off so much of that and like Mm-mm. just talk, talk, talk how I talk do you know what I mean like we're we're artists man we're like we're, we're, we're creating stories I don't understand that, that there's this pressure over here and I guess in, in some ways in America I, I I you know it's less clear in the way that I speak 
like what my class is, you know, and and I felt like I feel there's something about New York, you know, that I just feel I feel so at home there and I feel so connected when I'm there. And, you know, I guess it's tricky because we're, we're, we're in different places and my experience has very much been about trying to get away from the bullshit theater system that exists here, you know, and mm -hmm. like the, class, the classism that goes on and that was going on when I was at drama school. I, 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 I just can't, I have no, it's something that has always made me feel, I've always desperately, desperately just wanted to get away from it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I can only speak from, from my experience in that way through coming up through the system here um yeah uh, yeah i don't know yeah, Does that yeah. no you know it, like i think whether it be in film and tv actors or filmmakers i think a lot of people in the margins you know underrepresented voices the lgbtq community even the disabled community we we spend i think that i always say there's a certain generation uh, I, i'm part of that bastardized generation between x and millennial gen x and millennial and you know we always taught to put our head down don't cause a ruckus don't ruffle feathers and in a way bend over backwards to make people feel comfortable around you mm -hmm. um and i I, th I feel like i've been i want to say even like this past or like throughout my career or you know i'm speaking you know about me sorry please, uh, but, please, no. <laughs> uh, uh, but we we, we uh, i felt like i i I've, I've been trying to unlearn all of that you know, like, how old are you? If you don't mind me I'm, asking, that private. I'm 41. Um, oh yeah, I thought you was like 27 or. 27. <laughs> well, I, no, no, no. I, I'm 41. I it, it, well, it's Asian. Don't raisin, right? Uh, <laughs> no, no, but it's it, it. I think I don't know if it's. I I feel like it's the same with a lot of us. You know, we we we're taught a certain thing. A lot of us in the margins, at least, we're taught to make people feel comfortable around us so we could please them and we never get to live our true selves sometimes and i think that's why i'm jealous more of this younger generation because they're a little bit more fearless and yeah. it's, it's, more, it's a lot more encouraged now like it's like I mean, yeah thing that's like especially being a female it's like you know always be on your yeah you're behind your p's and q's and now it's like mm -hmm. you know the, the the most like do do the most whatever thing you can do and that's who's like getting them it's 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 different now but so hopefully like we're all sort of because I, I i know i'm still unlearning that that sort of trait too so so i know a lot of us are still learning that that's why yeah. the conversation between between sam and malcolm was very was very interesting yeah that's why i love i i'm like oh, okay they're having this conversation and yeah. they're and that I just love that I moment. I'm just having that conversation today. Yeah. So, and um, it, and it can't. And I, honestly, I don't think that conversation can be encapsulated just in a movie scene. It, it goes beyond that. And but yeah, it's just like identity politics. I I, I I'm beginning to hate that term more and more. But it, it's 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 a thing, you know, that a, a lot of us. <laughs> have to kind of it's hurdles we have to jump over and I, I made this like comment the other day uh, or like a while back where it's like uh it's like it's easy for people of color and and people in the margins to you know adhere to this rule of wearing a mask because we're used to making people uncomfortable because if you look at all the people who are complaining about wearing masks 
most of them are white, but that's, <laughs> I, I'm not going to say anything. But <laughs> um, <laughs> going to get me in trouble. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, I'll, I'll get, I'll get in trouble for you, Kingsley. So. <laughs> Um, so Kingsley, what, what is, what's next for you that you can tell us, or if you, if you can't tell us, um, is there something that you, that you haven't done yet, um, a role that you haven't, um, tackled yet that you're, that you would like to tackle next? You know what, I'll be super honest with you. I feel like the, the moment that I am in personally, in terms of like career or work is, I'm, it's happening now rather than oh. something look for. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like the mm. material that's coming in and the directors that I'm meeting and the conversations that I'm having. I'm like, oh no, this is, this is, this is what I've been looking, you know, working towards right now, today. Like when I jump off what I'm reading, when I woke up this morning, the calls that come in. So it's kind of happening in terms of like a genre or a role. No, I have no idea. Just completely. I think your the stories and characters that interest you should change with the, you know, with the month, with the week, with the year. It's different depending on where you are and where you're at. And, um, you know, I haven't been on, on set in nearly a year and oh, wow. I don't I don't miss it because I feel like I'm really enjoying the um, I'm really enjoying reading so much and like <laughs> yeah. looking at story in a different way and contributing to scripts and development and, yeah. you know, just having conversations where I feel more involved creatively and have an input and I'm actually thinking about character and all just so much of this job for me anyway yeah. it's just you know you feel like you're just treading water man. yeah just getting yeah. a gig you know like <laughs> pay the rent and just save your money and do you know what i mean so it's like yeah. to have to have a handful of scripts to choose from is very very new yeah. it's very very precious to me this is a very very like sacred moment and so i don't feel like i'm wishing for anything in to come because it's right it it's does really like, wow yeah. that's it's such a good cheesy. answer you're, you're living in the moment yeah yeah it sounds really cheesy when i just heard it out loud like that but it's true <laughs> no it's true it's so could, oh i was gonna add I, i'm just curious this has like a random question uh your, your name kingsley were you named after someone like i i, I think your name is so cool <laughs> my, my mom my mom wanted to call me king but I think she had a lot of people around her saying you can't do that. <laughs> yeah, she found she found, uh, she found an in between Kingsley. But I was thinking about this the other day. My my agent Elaine, she she calls me King, and I, I there's something so I find so impersonal about Kingsley mm. because all my friends and my family and my loved ones and people I grew up with they call me King. Kingsley was only really the name that I started using at drama school because I was, you know, I was I've made to feel like it was not, you know, you can't be called King. Mm. Um, so whenever I said yeah. Kingsley, it feels like it's not my name. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. well, well, your, your mom is uh, from Trinidad, right? My, my, her parent, yeah. My mom's born here, born in, okay, okay. born in the UK, but my grandma and granddad were um, yeah, from Trinidad and Tobago and came over in, 50, I think my grandma came over in 48 and my oh, grandma wow. came over in 51 and they worked in the NHS because after the war there was, you know, a huge call out 
to the, the Commonwealth and the, mm-hmm. the islands to come over and to help, you know, because the hospitals were down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, my mom, my mom was born here in the sixties. Yeah, you should just change it to King. King, that's I know, I know so many people that are named Prince. I know so many people, women that are named Queen. Yeah, I know, few, I know a few Nigerian men who are called King and King. Yeah, too. Nigeria. Yeah. There's yeah. Nigerian. There, there's Nigerians called Blessing. There, <laughs> there are names like I mean, Nigerians have like the 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 most creative like biblical type names like. Oh, wow, Blessing. Like, I don't know if like God's in the, in the grace. Somebody's name was actually God's grace. <laughs> Wait, okay. <Yeah. laughs> that yes. is a. <laughs> I know somebody named God's grace. Yes. <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair. Sorry. Uh, um, uh, no, because in the Philippines, it's so funny because like um, the young, like the youngest boy in the family, like uh, will have a regular name, right? Like whatever. But they would always call him boy or the youngest girl would be baby. So my dad, he's the youngest boy in his family. So his, his real name is Froilan, but he, everyone calls him boying. <laughs> so it's so weird, like how um, different cultures and names. I'm just, I, I'm just really fascinated with names. Anyway. If you want to call you king, we'll call you king. Yeah, we'll, we'll call you king. <laughs> we'll start referring you to king in, every, in all our, our stories. Um, <laughs> We like to end um, this interview. This has been great, by the way. Yes. Um, we like to yes. end it with this little segment we call the facts or the FAQs. Just just sort of random questions, um, fun, fun questions. So the first question is, in the movie, there's a lot of vanilla ice cream. Um, so if you can eat only, if you can eat, if you can only eat one ice cream flavor for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> oh, man. I have to say vanilla just for safety. <laughs> You have to because then if you pick the one, then you get sick, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Vanilla. Vanilla's because, safest. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was craving vanilla ice cream after watching. The I movie, actually love vanilla ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> because it, it's vanilla ice cream is a blank palette. You could add <laughs> to vanilla ice cream. You can have apple pie with that. You can yes. have, you know, well, apple crumble. chocolate sauce or okay. put candy in it. Yeah, put you're right. I'm you're telling right. you, it's that a blank canvas. Sunday, sun. You can have a Sunday with Sunday. chocolate sauce and all of that. Yeah, thing. You know what I mean, so that's a good one. Yeah, vanilla. that is a good. Yeah, vanilla. Uh, I remember for 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 the one night in Miami, they did they sent us these care packages with vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and and uh, there's a they, there was like this place card that said. I don't know if Malcolm X really said it, but all we have is vanilla and vanilla. <laughs> no, that was a line. That was a line. <laughs> yes. I don't know if he really said, it, but it's like I ju- when I read it, I was all, "Oh, I get it now." Like I, I get the double entendre. So, um, okay. So besides One Night in Miami, what award season contender movie are you rooting for, or that you you love that you want to give love to? Well, I feel like, I feel like, I feel like Another Round is definitely the movie that uh-huh. has had the biggest effect on me. I just, I love Lakeith. I think he is, they, I find he's so, I, I think he's one of the most special uh, mm-hmm. actors that we've had in a long time. Like a long time, and I don't just mean black. I mean just actors. Period. And I remember watching him 
I remember watching him in really small bits and pieces like years and years and years ago. And I remember when I first signed with an American agent, finding out that, you know, a couple of the jobs I'd missed out gone to this guy. And, and I just remember watching his work and just feeling, you know, it's hard. You're always jealous of people, you know, when you miss out on jobs and stuff. But I remember always watching Lakeith and just being so like, I'm glad he's got it because he's going to do something real special with whatever you give him. So I guess there's so many, there's so many films and performances and direction and productions that I've enjoyed. Um, I think what Daniel did, you know, and all the boys from the cast one night in Miami yep. as well. I'm rooting, I'm rooting yep. for everyone and Regina, but you know, I think what Daniel achieved was astounding, mm. astounding work. Astounding. That movie. I mean, we've all seen it, right? Yeah, 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 that, yeah. That one scene, there's just one scene that I bawled when couldn't. You, can't, you can't spoil the movie, David. You have to take that out. <laughs> da- oh, whatever. Um, okay. We're in a pandemic. Okay, <laughs> next question. Next question. Uh, okay, so everybody has one. What is your favorite reality TV show? Oh no, I'm gonna sound I'm gonna sound so <laughs> bad here because I don't. You know, does it have to be now? No, no it doesn't have to be now. Yeah. Ever, it's ever. Like yeah. real world. Oh, or cool, 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 cool. So obviously, obviously, when I was like. 12, 13, there was, there was a few seasons of Big Brother that I was completely, <laughs> but then with the first, the first, the first pop idol we had here with Will Young and Gareth, Gareth Gates, whatever his name was, I remember being glued to that, like it was, do you know what I mean? It was like, yeah, yeah. that was every, Saturday night, that was every, meant everything. Um, but yes, I don't, I didn't really watch. I want to watch some more because I got friends who like, they swear by it. Like they swear by, you know, the only way is Essex. And we got some different ones over here. Yeah, yeah. Just for like, just pure. Wait, what's what's that one that one that you just said? Different way in Essex? What's that? I think there's, a, there's a show here called The Only Way is Essex. Oh. Well, I think the only way is Essex. Yeah, there's been a couple of Essex reality t- TV shows, right? Because I feel like I've heard a different one, like maybe like Made in Essex or something. Made in Chelsea, or is it oh, Made, okay, in- okay. Made in Chelsea or one? What of- are those about? I don't know. I, 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 I think they're kind of like a like a real like world a, kind of thing. No, not like a real world because I don't think they live in one house. But I think it's kind of like a maybe like the hill, like the the hill or something. Oh, okay. So they, okay. so it's just basically the hills. Yeah, the hills. So is yeah. it kind of like just like following pretty people around yeah, in their pretty, lives? Pretty rich. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think that's basically the long and short of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, bl- like Bling Empire. Oh God. And really, really. That, I, like, watch all, I watch all the reality shows, so I'm like, I'm, I'm obsessed. Yeah, just because like we have to watch. So I use it for like sort of like my, like my. I don't have to think, you know, like whenever, mm. you, like you want to have a, something, some type of mindless TV or something in the background. I always put reality TV. Like I'm a housewives. I do. <laughs> I do I'm I'm a big. Uh, well, Wait. Amanda knows I, I'm a huge drag RuPaul's Drag yeah, Race fan. Uh, but yeah. like, Drag Race has a UK version. It, they're they're current on the TV. I was, I was flicking through and I keep seeing there's a show yeah. in the BBC here. Yeah, it's BBC and it's on a, an app here. But they have Drag Race UK. They have Drag Race Thailand. They have Drag Race Canada. They have they have Drag Race um, uh, Holland. I was. <laughs> Would I you recommend that. something? Would you recommend? Should I put it on? Should I put you it on? Love Drag Race. He's yeah, I would. You'll get invested. I, I'm part of. I'm yeah. also part of a Drag Race fantasy league. Um, <laughs> where, where, 
<laughs> where uh, the winner wins three hundred dollars. And so far this this season, I'm in second place. Oh, nice! I for second. Um, <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> this is. This is my life. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so, so King, um, uh, what, what was, what was your very, very first job? When I was when I was six or seven, there was a there was a clothes shop. There was a store at the end of my road, and my mum was she was young, and she was like, you know, she knew all the guys there, and uh, he used to let me and my brother. Uh, fold up t-shirts and pack them in boxes and he'd give us five pounds uh, <laughs> he'd give us five pounds yeah to do that chris at map map in kentish town um so that was first but that was he was just probably just looking up you know what i mean looking yeah. after first, yeah first job i don't know I, I did like a just fucking catering and bar work and you know <laughs> all of that stuff just grinding just like serving tables and oh. you know um, okay. Yeah. I, I I believe everyone should at least one time in their life be a waiter or be work in the service industry at least yeah. once in their life. Yeah. Just because to be, to see how horrible people are. I remember going like I'm I am I am the worst waiter. <laughs> I'm the worst you do you do I just I can't bring us I could never bring a smile to my face I could never get into it I just was a just pain like, in the ass you know yeah, yeah. no I get it I lost yeah. like three days oh wow yeah <laughs> I was I was a waiter and a host uh I don't know which one was worse but <laughs> you have to be so energized and like yeah. happy you have to be up all the up. time yeah. and you have to act like you care that these people eat and I didn't <laughs> Yeah, right. I, never, I did. I just I worked in like clothes stores. That's oh, even, that's even that retail even, is that horrible. Was, no, retail was horrible. Yeah, yeah. Retail is horrible. Boring. It gets really <laughs> dull, right? It's so I boring. worked at Gap, the Gap, for seven days. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so if you can live in any era in history that obviously was didn't was didn't have racism or prejudice like we, we'll take racism out of the formula of <laughs> but if you could live in any era in history which one would you would it be i think i would have i think i would like to have been the age i am now coming to the uh the end of the 80s and the early 90s to oh good era to experience yeah. that rave that 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 rave scene that house yeah. scene that came to the north and was coming from Chicago and like that feeling that transition of music and to have gone raving, like to be to have been a part of that rave culture at the beginning, I think was just a really interesting time because I was alive, but I just don't remember it. I was, <laughs> like five or six, but whenever I see like archive footage from like Glastonbury from around that time or like up north like house scenes and there's certain like there's certain house anthems I think that have like stuck from that time mm -hmm. that you still play out when you go out now they'll come on and uh I guess as well I miss New York a lot but I'm missing I do miss like I do miss Raven you know I do miss house music and uh, that, that is such a good era. Who's a big artist right now, like a house music artist? Would you say? I wouldn't. I wouldn't know. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. 
too as much as I like to rave and like I um, I like the music I'm not a huge huge like encyclopedic knowledge I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of house disclosure you know a kind of a borderline mainstream um production duo out of the UK who have some really really interesting stuff uh and um but yeah, there's a few Chicago house DJs who I've seen play out at festivals. I can't, the names I can't remember now, but um, yeah, just good uh, soulful house. Yeah, because that was like the era of like right when it was about to hit and then it became like acquainted more with drugs and stuff down the road. But like kind of right at the top of it is when it was about the music and about, you know, the culture and, and until house, the drugs came house in. House music's still big in London? Oh yeah. Huge. Okay. Yeah, I, the one time that I, I I spent a night in London, it was a long, long time ago. Like, probably I was probably still in my teens. But we went to club. We were going like to different clubs. I remember it was house music. All the clubs were just playing house music, and I was like, oh, okay. So I guess <laughs> I guess London is just into house. House music, music pops. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy it. It's really especially big. during that era. Like. Coming out of Chicago, a lot of the really, really like the really, really cool stuff. I think the scene started in Chicago, I believe, and 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 I. I think Lee Foss and, and Jamie Jones, I think that's their, their names, like big DJs coming from that side. And I remember one night, before I got one night in Miami, I booked 12 tickets to see Solomon at Primworks here. And, um, and when I wrapped one night in Miami, I flew back, this is just before the lockdown, landed, stayed up all day and then 15 20 of my friends came around and we all went to see solomon and raved until like you know until oh, wow morning. and then within a few weeks that was it boom we locked yeah. down like yeah. last, well last it's rave. a good way to to to, to end it you know? <laughs> to, uh, well um well oh, okay um one more question um oh. is there uh underrepresented we asked this to all of our guests is there an underrepresented voice in the industry whether it's an actor writer producer creator that is not in the mainstream that you think people need to know about and deserve more recognition and shine i have a really really uh good friend of mine who i think is about to blow you know yeah. um, she's just got the lead in a, a new show i love her she's a super, super talent. Her name's Rhea Zimitrovich. And uh, we did a play mm -hmm. together uh, seven or eight years ago called God's Property at the Soho Theatre here. Rinze Kenny, a friend of mine who wrote the play. And she's just, she's just, every time I see her, she just gets better and better and better. And she has something so incredibly unique about her and vulnerable and powerful. And I think that, you know, she she's taken more time but when when the world finally gets to see what she's about it's gonna be it's gonna be a special day because it's coming mm. but yeah i'd say i'd say Rhea was the first person that popped to my right. mind i don't know if she, how I, I feel a little bit sort of unsure about saying she's underrepresented i just mean that she's she's coming i don't think the yeah. state i don't yeah, think yeah. i don't think america knows about her yet but Rhea, is it Rhea? what's her last name Rhea zamitrovich yeah. Mitrovich. Yeah, there you go. Keep that name in mind, everyone. Uh, Kingsley, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. This is such a great thank conversation. You. Yeah. Yes. First, uh, first recording of 2021. Yeah, what a what a way to start with a king. <laughs> yes. Thank you for being our first guest. Um, and congrats on the film and best of luck 
with, yeah. with yeah yeah hopefully we'll see you in a a, a, a late 80s early 90s rave movie yeah oh that would be yes. dope <laughs> <laughs> yes all my, all my moves ready Okay, okay, we're ready. Okay, cool. We're ready. We're ready. Yeah, Kingsley, thank you so much. If you're not over in London after this lockdown, let's go, let's go, let's go raving. I'm down. Like, <laughs> we're not like ravers, but like after this lockdown, I'll just go anything. anywhere. We just got to play, play I'll go a staring at the pop. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank cool. you. Thanks, Kingsley. I'll see you guys. Take care. Bye. Okay.